Welcome, everybody, to the Spring Hills Podcast. Today, I've brought in three guests with me into the green room. We're going to talk about the prosperity gospel, and uh, one of our very special guests is uh, my wife. I was going to say Brett, and then I was like, wait, no, my wife. i got to say my wife. So my wife, Caitlin, is here with us, and then uh, Erica Barba, and also Pastor Brett sitting here with us to uh, talk through the prosperity prosperity gospel, and uh, we're going to ask some questions about false teaching, uh, get into what the prosperity gospel is. Uh, we'll go into some other false teachings in other episodes, but today we're going to stay focused right on that one. Let's just start by, because we're going to talk about false teachers, we'll do other podcast episodes about false teachings. Let's just define that. So start by defining false teachers. Um, jump in with whatever thoughts you have if you uh, if you want. Yeah, I, I'm glad you asked that question because we have to be careful that we don't call everybody a false teacher who disagrees with us or who has a different uh, take on certain things. And I, I think a good definition of a false teacher, or we'd even say a heretic, is somebody who doesn't hold to the foundational truths that Christians have held to since the first century. I mean, of course, things like uh, Jesus being the eternal Son of God made flesh, uh, that were saved by grace alone uh, through the work of the cross and what Jesus did there, and faith alone, grace alone, also the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, the authority of Scripture. If somebody were to were to deny those basic things, we would then we would call them a false teacher or a heretic. But some teachers out there are just unbalanced. They're not. They're not good um, theologians, you would say. They're not good at putting Scripture all together, but we wouldn't necessarily say they're a false teacher, something like that. I mean, Paul— it, You and, think it's like inexperience or— Yeah, they, they went to a school where maybe they didn't learn as well how to put together Scripture to come out more balanced, yeah. but they would not deny that Jesus is the Son of God or that we're saved by grace or that he rose from the dead. They wouldn't deny those main right. things. Yeah, kind of, I mean, John talked about it on a few episodes before about the the four Ds, the some what you would die for, what would divide. I forget what they all are now off the top of my head, but um, it's it's basically like what you're going to die for. I was telling this to Caitlin last night. It's like you're, we're going to die for the idea or the, the, the truth that the only way to heaven, the only way to God is through Christ, through the cross, right? So if we've got somebody that's disagreeing with that, then we've got a false teacher. Yeah, yeah, or somebody that just blatantly will come out with something opposite, you know, of that teaching. So, yeah, I think First Corinthians 15 is a good place to go in the beginning verses where Paul says, I delivered to you what I received. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Uh, than to more than 500 at one time. But just 1 Corinthians 15, he's laying out, this is what we believe, or this mm -hmm. is the gospel in Galatians and some other places that uh, really outline, you know, what we hold to. Somebody goes against those basic things. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah, we've been watching, uh, we've been talking about it for a few, few, few years now, called a documentary called American Gospel. There's two parts of it. This is a um, one we'd recommend for anybody to watch. It's really good. Uh, but it's on uh, Amazon and stuff. But last night we we're watching through the first probably what did we get through about 40 minutes of it and just listening to the points that all these pastors are making about how people are teaching and like they're teaching moralism. So like the pastor is just he says, I'm going to a to a church. I'm going to speak. And uh, they say, well, pretty much everybody here is Christians. And he goes, OK, well, I'm going to I'm going to 
preach the gospel. And they're like, no, we said everybody's Christians. And he goes, the gospel's for Christians too. It's not just for the lost. And I'm like, that's important to know that it's like, just because you're going to be in a room with a bunch of Christians, we're prone to forget the gospel. Like that's, so we need to be reminded of it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk through, uh, through the prosperity gospel now. Let's maybe define that uh, since that's what we're going to be talking about. One of the big reasons that I think we all are uh, anxious to do a podcast about this is because there's so much of it out there. It's so available. It's very, it can be very encouraging. It can be very um, uh, motivational and make you feel uh, motivated to be, I don't know, be better or whatever it is. Like you listen to these guys talk and you're like, you kind of go, yeah. And then you realize, oh wait, they're they're forgetting the gospel here. They're forgetting Christ and it's it's completely wrong. Um, So let's talk through the prosperity gospel. Uh, What are some of the teachings and uh, false promises that it leads to? Anyone? Everybody likes health and wealth. The girls are really kind of scared to talk right now. I think they're intimidated by you, Brett. Well, you know, when you start quoting scripture, like it's right, like I've memorized it or something. Well, I've got this. If you want me to start, I've got this thing. So I've been talking about gotquestions.org. And until somebody shows me something that's like, hey, this is this is wrong on got questions, I'll keep recommending it. Uh, you're good with that, right, Brett? Yeah, I like that. So uh, I, I put website. this at the bottom. Maybe I can start with a couple things here, and it just uh, kind of explains it. So in the prosperity gospel, also known as the word of faith movement, the believer is told to use God, whereas the truth of biblical Christianity is just the opposite. God uses the believer. Prosperity theology sees the Holy Spirit as a power to be put to use for whatever the believer wills. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is a person who enables the believer to do God's will. The prosperity gospel movement closely resembles some of the destructive greed sects that infiltrated the early church. Paul and the other apostles were not accommodating uh, to or conciliatory with the false teachers who propagated such heresy. They identified them as dangerous false teachers and urged Christians to avoid them. Here's an interesting uh, one that I found on one of the errors of the health, wealth gospel or the word of faith movement. They said Jesus' atonement extends to the sin of material poverty. If you think about the promise to Abraham, I'll bless you and I'll make you a great nation and I'll, you know, your enemies, I will uh, defeat and all of that. They, the health wealth teachers see poverty as sin, Mm. the result of sin. And in the old Testament, you do see that where the crops fail and enemies come in and plunder because of the sin of the people. And so they carry that whole idea over and say, therefore, uh, wealth and health is a sign of God's blessing, even as it was, you know, to Abraham in the old Testament or something like that. And that's a, that's a very serious error. Jesus was poor you know, the disciples yeah. were poor. So are we saying that that, you know, if you say poverty is is the result of sin and therefore the contrast wealth is a sign of God's blessing, that that's getting us off right away. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think those terms, wealth and health, I think there's, there's different types of wealth and health too to, you know, that the wealth, I mean, we have an inheritance in heaven. I mean, if you look at Ephesians, it talks about all the blessings that believers have now. They're reconciled to God. They have unity with the Spirit. They have wisdom. And, and that's why he chose the, you know, the people like, you know, people like Peter who are uneducated to show the riches of his grace towards people of poverty, people that are, that are shepherds, you know, that nobody else is looking at to have success. And God uses them to show the abundance of his grace that when they started speaking 
um, before the council, they're like, these people are uneducated and they had recognized that they had been with Jesus. So it's, um, it did, I think there's, there's different types of wealth that, that when we look at verses that the prosperity gospel might take and twist, um, that, you know, yeah, they turn everything into material wealth where we are, we have all spiritual blessings, um, in heavenly places through Christ. So the wealth we're talking about is spiritual in nature. You know, we have forgiveness, we have a home in heaven, we have been adopted into God's family, we have the Holy Spirit, we have wealth, and they like to turn every spiritual blessing into something material. That's a good good point. Mm-hmm. I like the... Uh I was looking for this quote and I don't even know who said it, but basically just the definition of it is the prosperity gospel is not just false teaching. It's just straight up another gospel. It's not. It's Sounds not. like Elisa Childers. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Another yeah. gospel. I think to a degree too, it's almost like spiritual abuse because you have a pastor standing at the front who the people trust saying like, if you're not wealthy, if you're not receiving these blessings, it's because you're in sin, you're doing something wrong. Right. You're not giving enough. And Nowhere in the Bible do you find that. And so these people, you know, go throughout their whole lives thinking, I'm not doing enough. You get the the mor- moralism again, you know, instead of what Christ offers us is grace and salvation. Right. That's well, free. You don't have to do anything. Give more. That's a really good point because mm-hmm. it would take that the the trial that you're going through is now because of your own failure and which would have you work harder and try to figure out how to get God's blessing on you again, instead of trusting, like what James says, like consider each trial that you're going through as a, um, an opportunity to grow in your faith and to depend on the Lord. And it makes you turn to works instead of turning to trust in God. Well, and Costi Hinn, who's Benny Hinn's nephew, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Um, he has something to speak to this because he grew up in the, um, the word of faith movement with his, uncle and um had a lot of success in that and then didn't have the gospel didn't know the lord in that and he that's what he says um and he said exactly that that it it would lead people to spiritual abuse because they think that they now need to give the pastor money to get a healing instead of just understanding that maybe god had in his sovereignty allowed them to go through something hard and he's going to use that even despite how hard it is right I mean, health wealth is very attractive. People want to be healthy. They want to be wealthy. Uh, there's a Robert Tilton is not a name that is, you know, as easily recognizable I don't know as some is. of the others. Yeah, he was in Dallas, but he was a big health wealth guy. And I went and visited his church one weekend. How rich did and, you get? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he he was talking, he was trying to get, you know, people healed. And uh, I did notice the offering buckets were huge. Uh, but... <laughs> You want to get everybody healed. And then if you felt like, if you felt like you, you were healed, if you were healed today, then they offered classes on how to keep your healing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I remember sitting there going, that doesn't Tell me when Jesus like, told that to somebody yeah, after yeah, he healed yeah. them. <laughs> it was go and tell, not come to class, learn how to keep your healing. Wow. I mean, that right there, I'm like, uh, yeah, you can lose your healing, you know, so... Um, but they use scripture. They take scripture out of context to sound like it's from the Bible. I mean, certainly God wants to bless us. Uh, and in heaven, to your point, uh, Caitlin, in heaven, we have total healing, right? We have, it's it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, they they want to bring heaven down to earth now. They don't want to uh, go through the sufferings of this life, the trials of this life. And then you can find scripture. You take it out of context. So and, what, what are some of the, the passages that are taken out of context that they used to teach? One of, one of my... <laughs> I, I don't I would say one of my favorites, but this is from <laughs> this is from one thir- that you like to pick on the, the one yeah, that makes you I, laugh the most. When I when I listen to the health wealth preachers, they always use third John verse two, which says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. All right. Well this is this is John writing a, a letter to Gaius, a friend, and encouraging him in the introduction. In other words, I really, I'm really praying things are going well for you, which is what I would say to anyone <laughs> that I want to encourage. Yeah, you're not going to you. pray that stuff goes bad no, for gonna, somebody. I'm I really pray s- that you go through a lot of crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hope you you're in poverty. I hope you have bad health. No, it's just it's a greeting. It's the second verse of the letter. All right, so. They will rip this out of its context, and they will they will build their whole theological system on this verse, that this is the will of God for you. So part of the problem is they take verses out of context, and then they don't take all of the verses that talk about suffering, for example, or uh, the warnings against the abuses of wealth and the danger of wealth in other verses. They just sort of cherry pick, you know, and mm-hmm. they— they can build their whole argument on that. Or how Jesus told the disciples that they have to leave behind everything. Like his most devoted followers had to leave their lives, yes. their jobs, their what families, their possessions. Like there's nothing about prosperity there. It's you're going to be poor. <laughs> and who is the one disciple worried about wealth? Judas. Judas. <laughs> what does that have to say? Wow. Oh, thank you, Brett. I got a wow, wow. from Brett. Oh, boy. <laughs> Um, I want to, so yeah, let's, if there's, there's another other, one, there's another, here's another one. Uh, this is out of Isaiah and this gets abused all the time too. Isaiah 53 verse five, but he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. So they'll talk about that healing is in the atonement, which it is ultimately, but to say that this healing is yours by right if you're a believer because Jesus, by his wounds, we are healed. To say it's ours by right would mean then that everybody's ever become a Christian should have been totally healed. Of their mm. chronic illnesses. Of their chronic illnesses or whatever, right. And then, of course, if you haven't uh, been healed, then you lack faith in the clear promise of Scripture um, and then some will even plead the blood. You know, they'll tie in the blood of Jesus to the healing that comes through the atonement. And we just need to look at all of Scripture to say, look, <laughs> the Apostle Paul had an ailment that he wasn't healed of. And the book of Job tells us about suffering and trials and difficulty, and God didn't just pull him out of that Um uh, Jesus himself went through great suffering and pain and all of that. So if you just take scripture as a whole, it balances you out. Mm-hmm. Right, because I think every time that you see a scripture twisted, I think it's just as important to untwist it as to to apply it correctly. So what does that scripture mean? You know, so when um, 
in one of the prosperity gospel books, you know, it talks about leaving Egypt and they use that story as like they were slaves in Egypt and Moses led them out. And because of their whining and complaining, they didn't inherit the promised land, which is a land of abundance and wealth. And they use all of those terms to say that if you believe in Jesus and you stop complaining and whining, God will lead you into wealth and prosperity. And it takes that story and it twists it into something that's material and just getting rich. And it's for someone that may not know scripture very well, that seems very like tempting. And they even feel like I'm obeying God in this and I want to obey God. So, and I want wealth. So and that's God's sign of blessing on me. So I want those two things. And so how do I get it? So I need to not complain. And, and they use that system. But if you know scripture correctly, that whole story is just pointing to how we were in sin, you know, and, and spiritual sin and slavery. And that Jesus was our deliverer who brought us out. And the, the land of abundance is, is heaven. And, you know. And spiritual blessings right. you have in yeah. Christ. Yeah. 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 They just don't, they just, um, they're very skilled. They're very, they have amazing ability to speak and to motivate and to take scripture and twist it around. Yeah. It's, it's frightening. It's, it's frightening. The, yeah. It's, it's motivational and it's inspiring. And like, if you listen, they're, they're incredibly, they're incredibly charismatic. They smile a lot. Smile. <laughs> they, they, they make everything sound so good and you kind of go, I mean, if, if it's like, it's just like the world, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about. It's very worldly where it's just kind of like. You look at something, how to get, how to get rich and just these, all these books that'll show you how to be successful in the world. And it's all worldly success. It's similar because it's like, they stand up there and they tell you, this is how you get what you want. And it's mm-hmm. like, what, okay, well, what we really should want is we want, should want to be more like Jesus. Right? right. And instead it's like, no, here, this is how you get rich. This is how you stay healthy. This is how uh, you, you get everything that you want. And it, it scares me a little bit because I think we see more and more and more of it. And because they are so stinking good at deception mm-hmm. and motivating people to, uh, to, to buy and into unwary it. people, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So that, that's one thing. One of the reasons that we want to do this is because I think there's a lot of people that we come across that, um, they're hungry for more, right? They're hungry to learn more. They're hungry to, to know more about scripture, know more about God. And the most famous pastors in the world, some of them are big proponents of the health Joel and so like, yeah, so like She's saying and, it, don't and, read his books. And well, that's, I do want to go into like, so who are some of the, the biggest proponents of it? He's not going to say, he's not going to stand up there and say that he's a proponent of it. Right. He's going to no, but you can just listen to him, listen to him talk and look at his lifestyle. Right. Like the other thing too, you kind of touched on it, but I was going to say these people who want wealth, they want it for themselves. They right. don't want it to glorify God, to use what they've been given to, you know, buy a house that can house a bunch of foster kids or host a bunch of small groups or send, you know, multiple missionaries in their church and like fund them for full time. Like no, they, they want to go want on vacation. More. Yes. Well, I their would houses, even, nicer cars, more vacations. Yeah. Well, I would even add to that, that those who, who see that as an issue and they go, well, I do want to use my wealth for all of those things. And they're still teaching that same mindset of like, this is how you get it. Um, and they, you know, say they want to like, I want to buy Bibles for missionaries and I want to do all these things. I would still say that their ego is wrapped up and right. that it's all about themselves and what they are doing. They get the glory for God instead yeah. of the status of being some kind of amazing person that's, that's donating so done many so Bibles much, yeah. and it, look at me and how great I am. Kind of like Brett, when you were bragging about walking the dinner over to your neighbor the other day. <laughs> 
And now you got to come up, you got to figure out something else. I to did do. it last night too, just so you, you know. can't talk about it. You're not supposed to talk about it. <laughs> Nobody knows what we're talking about. It's probably better they don't. But to be good and distribute Bibles, I also need a $70 million Gulfstream jet. Right. In order to get it to them to help quicker. Me ship it. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To save oh, on shipping well, costs. <laughs> yeah. Kenneth and uh, Kenneth Copeland's a, he's still going. Uh, he sort of followed. Uh, uh, Kenneth Hagen is a big name. Kenneth Hagen's Gen- one of the originators, yeah, right? Yeah, he's the originator. Uh, well, actually, Oral Roberts and Oral Roberts University oh. was, was uh, they say, is kind of the beginning of this whole thing. They, you know, the name it, claim it, health, wealth, gospel. Cruffalo Dollar. Uh, you, you mentioned who, Do you know E.W. Kenyon? Do you know who that is? No, no. So no. this says the Word of Faith movement grew out of the Pentecostal movement in the late 20th century. Its founder was E.W. Kenyon, who studied the metaphysical new thought teachings of Phineas Quimby. Oh. So the mind science, where name it and claim it originated, was combined with Pentecostalism, resulting in a peculiar mix of Orthodox Christianity and mysticism. And then Kenneth Hagin, in turn, studied under that guy and made the Word of Faith movement what it is today. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Kind of like you can't have something until you picture it in your mind and then you you start saying it and then and then you get it and it's just all that you have mind right. control. Right. And I don't think I also don't want it to sound like we just want to be like let's just talk about all the bad stuff. No, like Brett keeps you've said multiple times now. We you pray for people, you pray for health. Like if somebody's somebody's sick, we pray sure. for this person. It's not like I but think you don't the, teach them that if they don't get healthy, it's because of a lack have of faith, faith in it right. and an then, abundance of sin. If you're teaching this, this is what I don't understand. It's like, how does it go? And and somebody's probably got an answer for this, but how do you go to a church that is is preaching that, and then let's say uh, that person's uh, that person gets cancer, and then the cancer doesn't go away? Do they just are they just angry at God now because they're like, no, I had enough faith and God still didn't heal me. Now it's right. this person is angry at God because they God didn't fulfill the promise that Joel Osteen told him that he would, right, you know, yeah. whatever, whoever it is. And right. it's like, I mean, we we heard about this thing at Bethel a few years ago when the, the little yeah the baby the girl had died. died and for however many days in the they morgue said, in the hospital for like. And for like a week, they held prayer services and worship services, praying that she would no rise. claiming that she will, yeah, claiming and saying I should God say. will yeah. God will bring her back from the dead. And I'm like, okay, after that it. was all over, what happened? Because she didn't. Her so parents now buried are her you body. Guys, yeah, so now are you guys like, all just blaming God? Right. Like, what? Where does what's the outcome of that? I think the whole movement really sets people up for disillusionment, and it sets them up kind of the ultimate bait and switch, sure. you know. But uh, life is so hard. There are so many trials. There are so many, there's so much suffering in this life um, that not only are they teaching something that's not true, but they're setting people up to go out into the real world and be disillusioned with God, maybe even leave their faith totally because none of what they're seeing uh, is happening in their own life or to as you said, point out, pointed out, they don't like themselves or they feel like they're inferior as believers. And so they just need to muster up their faith. And I think that's why some of these guys are real motivational speakers because the people come dragging in after real life and they got to be pumped up to believe this, you know, this scenario of what everything can be. I, I, uh, it doesn't prepare them for life the way life really is. And it does set them up, I think, to be really disillusioned by the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think part of the beauty of what Christ did is that he went to the lowest. He was 
dirt poor. He went to death on a cross and like in an excruciating way to die. And part of like his name and his promise is like, I am with you till the end of the age. The fact that his presence can be with us in all of those circumstances and death through poverty, through trials, through hard circumstances. That's not what prosperity gospel is teaching at all. <laughs> they're, they're teaching if you have anything that's hard, that God is leaving you and leaving you like high and dry. He's not blessing you and like blessings that sign of presence, you know, like Jacob, like don't leave me until I need to be blessed, you know, like be with me and like that we're blessed through Christ, but his presence is the blessing. And I mean, I think seeing my dad go through Lou Gehrig's disease, it's like there was no doubt of like, is God you know, going to be with me through this. It's like he had an accurate view of the gospel in those times. And that's where the gospel can lead you. It can have strength through death, which is what Peter experienced. You know, mm-hmm. like Jesus just told him flat out, he's like about to leave earth. He's like, you're going to die on a cross, you know? And it's just that strength, like, and I can handle that. You know, would it, you know, that. I mean, Jesus said, right, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Right. He's, I mean, he never, he never said in this world, you're going to be wealthy and, And have no trouble. He said, you're going to have trouble, but take courage. I've overcome the world, which also points us to the ultimate new heaven and new earth where there is no more tears or crying or mourning or pain. Um, But nowhere in scripture do you see a description of life of the believer being without pain and, and lots of wealth. You see the opposite, right? I mean, it's follow me. And to your point, Erica, follow me. And you know, uh, they'll hate you. You're going to be persecuted. Don't feel bad because they hated me before they hated you. And so, you know, welcome to (laughs) identifying with me. You'll get the same kind of treatment. Well, let's spend a few minutes now, or maybe more than a few minutes, but let's refute it. Um, So let's, what are the keys to refuting the prosperity gospel? So if you've got somebody um, that you're having a discussion with about this, how, what are the keys to refuting the the different claims that it makes, the different scriptures that it tries to use. So what scripture would you point to or how would you put the scripture? We talked about the ones they try to use and uh, what the, the actual context would be. Uh, but yeah, let's talk That'd about be a good place it. to start with people is to take the main verses because they don't have very many. They just keep repeating them uh, over and over again, but just helping people to think in terms of context and what it's really seeing and then saying, and then also the, the whole subject of wealth and health and suffering. What does the whole Bible say? This that's people are a little lazy and they don't want to really look up everything that the Bible says about a certain subject. Um, but that's a good starting point. Let's talk about the basis of what they're believing. Let's refute it. Go for it. Uh, Well, a few verses that I pointed out, I did some, uh, gospel coalitions, great resource, got questions, um, but the parable of Jesus talking about the, to explain, someone, uh, I'm trying to grab my verse here. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is um, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. I mean, I just think that's one of the verses in 
parables that you can show of someone who did a great job, who built wealth, and then they show up before God and God thinks differently about it. Yeah, you, you, you're this night, your very soul is required of you because you've been so busy with other things, you know, that also the first Timothy six passage, we, you and I were talking about that Garrett. Mm-hmm. I mean, the uh, love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Uh, not that money in itself is evil, but the love of it, um, the whole movement sort of seems to encourage the love of it. If, you know, if you're blessed and you have a lot, well, of course everybody wants to be blessed. And the way you show people you're blessed is your your expensive jewelry, your car, your whatever you have. Um, but the scripture warns against the love of money and that it can pull people away from the faith. It can lead to a lot of pain. And, and we've I've actually seen that in the ministry where people get distracted by yet another business venture, mm-hmm. yet another opportunity. And I mean, they might stop coming to church or they're not involved because they're so busy trying to you know, amass wealth. So that'd be a good thing to point out all the verses that warn against wealth. And so yeah, there's, the, there's plenty of them. There's a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, there's more of those than there would be the other. Right. Right. Um, they're the best, the best, uh, point that I've seen just so simple to say, how do you refute the prosperity gospel? It literally just says, uh, it's simple. Read your Bible. <laughs> I know that's what I was thinking. I didn't want to say it. But. And it's, that that's where like you get some of these you said i think you said cherry picking right is yeah. that the term you use taking it out of context which is easy to take stuff out of, stuff out of context and i actually i've been talking oh, about yeah. this for a few months or no, six months now i want to do just little snippet podcasts about verses that are taken out of context because there's a ton of them there's a ton of them and it's very interesting some of them you wouldn't you may not even know um but yeah so that was my favorite one read your bible it's important obviously we're going to say read your bible anyway but that's it's important to know your bible um, and be able to, uh, to point to different things. And, uh, I mean, going through and deep diving through some scriptures is such a, I mean, we're, are you still learning Brett? A lot. You know, I was one, one thought I had was, will it preach in the third world? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. but what you find is that the health wealth gospel is growing like crazy in the third mm-hmm. world in Africa. <laughs> and it's because these guys get on their it. plane you know, they get on their planes and they do these rallies and stuff. And the people are so desperate for better conditions that they just sort of flock to these crusades and they believe whatever the false teacher is telling them. But if you think about it, um, would this work on the, you know, in Haiti right now? I mean, if you went, if you gathered some Christians together in Haiti and you began preaching the health, wealth gospel, you know, it, it just, it works in America. It works in cultures. I mean, that's where, why the documentary is called American gospel. Right? Yeah. Because it works in that when people are prospering, but certainly when people are under suffering, persecution, um, you know, abject poverty, it's, it's just what you need is Christ is enough. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I'm wealthy in Christ through Christ. Um, there is a coming heaven. That's a wonderful hope. So, uh, those kind of truths that are are real will speak to the person in the third world where this really doesn't make sense. So how can it be true if it doesn't apply there? Or apply to people that are, you know, wheelchair bound with yes. mental handicaps. Like they can't get wealthy because they're dependent on other people to help them survive. 
And, you know. No. And this would tell them that it's because they don't have enough faith. Right. And it's like they could be some of the most faithful people you've ever met. But they're, yeah, I mean, they have a handicap that keeps them from becoming wealthy. And, you know, it's a handicap. So it's, you know, you're not to your body's fullest health. But they have the hope of heaven. And so, you know, thankfully, I'm thinking of some people. But thankfully, they're not falling for this because they realize that, yeah, their hopes in heaven, their body is going to be restored. They're going to be with Jesus and, um, he's their hope here while they're on earth and living life and being obedient to his word, more obedient than people who are all about the pro or the health and wealth gospel. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I wanted Good to point. ask also like, so there's some people, um, maybe you're, you're new to the church or you're a new Christian and you're searching for more and more things, you're asking questions, which is good. Ask your questions, but we want to make sure you find your answers in the right places, right? So how can somebody tell if the pastor they're listening to or the speaker or the author is a false teacher? What's something that they should look for? Expensive shoes. <laughs> Expensive jeans Seriously. that are tight. Uh, like, I just, like, what are they leading them to? Are they leading them to, one, they're a sinner? You know, like, do they step, do they walk through the gospel? Yeah. And then where do they lead them after the gospel? Because yeah. um, one of Kossi Hinn's point is, you know, he people would tell him, your, you know, um, uncle delivers the best gospel presentation I've ever heard, but it's where he leads them after that point. Um, you know, what do you do with that information now that you're saved? And um, yeah. I, I just want to, you want a pastor who's speaking from a passage in its context so that you can look at that passage yeah. along and you, with you, the pastor. You're really big on this in our uh, in your sermons is you give context of where you're going, right? So yeah, like and you I don't, don't just go, be, hey, you're, you're not a topical preacher where you're going to no. just grab a verse from somewhere and say, I can do all things through Christ, and then you're just going to talk about that, right? You're going to take the whole passage and why why is it here, what happened before, What happened? what's happening after, that kind of thing. I'm at a place where topical preaching is anathema i mean it's uh it's something to be totally reject avoided you can you can do some topics i mean you know if you teach on the person of christ or you teach on the holy spirit you want to look at old testament references mm -hmm. and new testament references and you know there's a lot of important subjects in theology where you would look both old testaments and the psalms and you know so you're you're by nature you're doing a topical thing but preachers that are topical every week that's just it, scripture's already topical though. I mean like the first few passages or first few chapters of first Corinthians talk about pride, right? So I mean like Yeah, that's I mean, already like, your topic. The guy that jumps around a lot and to fit his outline. So he kind of brings in this really cool outline and then he finds verses to support Did his it. outline. And yeah. that's a bad way to preach. Uh, because you can really say anything you want. Sure. Because I could do that. I could just bring three points on something that I want to tell people and then I'll find a verse. Yeah. Tell it's, people to tithe more. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you can be wealthy and here's look at what happened to Abraham in this mm -hmm. little context. And you know, um, the third John verse about prospering and all that stuff. Um, just yanking it out and then giving a f three or four stories and you got people. So I, I would, uh, you just want to go to a church that's taking you right through the scripture. Mm -hmm. Ideally. Yeah. And, and if they don't, then you look at it in context. Yeah. Make sure it's really saying that, you know. Right. I mean, you should question anything 
any pastor or friend tells you uh, about scripture, about what God says, always, you always have to use discernment. You always have to go back to what scripture says, because even pastors, like they can, you know, misword something by accident or intentionally, and you don't want to base, you know, your faith or your theology off of something that isn't accurate. So, I mean, thankfully, like God gives us scripture for a reason to, to learn from his word, from the direct source, God, like, um, pastors are obviously great and they can give us, uh, further insight into God's word. But yeah, I mean, a lot of churches and pastors don't, they cherry pick. And so, yeah. Also I, looking at their like statement of faith is helpful too. Yeah. You can see right away, like, do they believe, you know, in, you know, God, like, are they more blessing based or are they your sinner? Christ died for you. One of my favorite things yeah. that I've, that my favorite quotes from the, um, and I've got all these written down here cause we watched it last night, but from that, from that documentary is, uh, one of the guys, he, I forget his name, but he was a youth pastor. Um, and, uh, now he's, he's part of this documentary and he has a lot of really good little, just one liner points that he makes. And I'm like, Oh, that's a great point. And he just says, even though Jesus isn't the content of the whole Bible, he is the center of it all. It all points mm-hmm. to Jesus. And when, he said that I pulled up a, a picture of our solar system and how everything's revolving around the sun. And of course we're like, oh, the sun, you know, it's like the son of God, you know, that <laughs> but just kind of how everything in the, in the passage, were you, go ahead, go I was ahead. I going to go S O N. I know. right? <laughs> um, but the, the fact that he's, I like the way that he says that because even though you're, when you're in, let's say you're, you're reading the, the story of Daniel and while Daniel isn't, the content there is not, you're not specifically talking about the son of God, Jesus. It's still going to point to the savior, right? So like the whole Bible is going to point to the cross. We're going to end up at the cross and that's where you need to go. And you see that minimized, uh, in the health, wealth gospel, right? You don't, you don't, there's not a lot of talk about the blood. It's right. all about being blessed. It's all about being Yeah, blessed. there's no not a whole lot of sin, not a whole lot of... You don't hear a lot of blood, and you don't hear a lot of sin, and you don't hear a lot of wrath or judgment uh, or any of that. And that's a that's a sure sign that, uh, you know, that perhaps this preacher is out of balance or is more thinking about something else rather than really expounding Scripture because right. it's all about the cross. It's all about... Uh, the crucifixion of Jesus for the atonement of our sins. Right. And to just tag that on the end, I don't like when preachers do that. I see that more often too. They, it's a little tag at the end. It, it should be the beginning, the middle, right. and the end. Yeah. To your point. Yeah, the center of it all. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's Caitlin. You had said something yesterday when uh, we were talking about uh, one of these books that that we were gifted, and you're saying how there was like uh, I don't know a paragraph or two. I don't forget how long you were like. I'm reading it and I'm like, oh yeah, this is right. This is right. This is right. And it kind of draws you into like, yeah, this, this is right. This, and then it all of a sudden takes a turn. Do you want to share that? Right. So, um, I won't say the author cause, but uh, what are the books? Go ahead. <laughs> name them. Name yeah. them. Name them. Who, do you know stature. the name? <laughs> Mine as well. Yeah. The book's, the book's called Radical Riches. By oh, Dave Williams. Red flag right there. Yeah. And self-published, right? <laughs> as of, you pointed out. Lots of gold out. on this book. Yeah, any um, self-published book, you got a question, yes. Uh, but I'm reading through it, and he's uh, 
We were I mean, we were gifted this book, yeah. And and Garrett and I, we just finished uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, which is the proper way of handling money, you know, and not just giving it to people to get money. <laughs> um, but one of the things he talks about is. Um, we didn't you just know. finish it. We did it three years ago now. We're still in it. <laughs> Caitlin's reviewing. Still okay. working on it. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I keep interrupting you. Uh, but he talks about just like good money management in the book, in Radical Riches. He talks about interest on a home and, um, you know, why you don't have a car loan and all this stuff. And, and don't it's go like, into debt. And things yeah, like, like it's 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 biblical wisdom. But then the the scripture that he uses to support it, like the whole of scripture is all telling you about how to get rich and how to, to get wealth. And it's missing Jesus. Like the whole of scripture is telling you about Jesus and we don't use God as a means to our end. God uses us. Right. Like this is God's story, but in scripture, it puts it all about you and all about what you're going to accomplish and the kingdom. And the assumption is that the main thing God wants for you is to be blessed and, Comfy. Have, you know, yeah, has can be comfy, uh, prosperity, and all of that. That's that's sort of the main idea where you would say when you read Scripture, the main idea is, first of all, to know God through Christ and then to become more and more like Christ. I mean, that's, you know, that's the real emphasis on Scripture. But, uh, yeah, so they're, off, they're often where they're going from the start. And so you're not if you're uh, if you're not heading the right direction in the beginning, then by the time you get down the road, you're going to be really off. And uh, uh, so that seems to be what was the name of that book again? Radical, radical riches. the road to radical riches. Well, and there's a nice little note mentioning how many homes he has, and oh, oh you know, it's just just little like we all, airing yeah. out his pride of yeah. look how successful now, I am. I want to. I do want to point out it's not. We're not saying that it's a sin to be. Rich. Wealthy, right? No. Like so, because there, there are people. Abraham that, was rich, and David was rich, and Solomon was rich, and you know, the uh, Lydia in the Book of Acts was was wealthy, and they met her in her home, and there are many, many wealthy people. It's just not um, how much you own, how much, but how much owns you, right? And uh, to your point, Erica, about being generous, or I forget which one of you mentioned it, but seeing what you have as an opportunity for ministry. And uh, forgiving. And using it, yeah, to glorify God. Right. Like you don't, a, God doesn't bless us with wealth to then keep it in our bank account and spend it on ourselves. Like, well, you can't take it with you, so use it to advance the gospel. <laughs> right. Well, in the rich young ruler, when Jesus is, um, I mean, that's such a great story because it shows one as you know, Jesus and also demonstrating discipling his disciples, like watch Peter, watch how I handle this really rich, wealthy person. And he doesn't go, man, what an asset we have in this guy. We really need to get him to like build some churches for us. And I'm really worried about the Roman government and what they're going to do and how they're going to stop my movement and stuff. And he, he recognizes his need is to separate himself from the love of money. And he addresses that first. So I think a lot of believers, when they have, they're coming to Jesus, I think God's going to (laughs) use I mean, I'm just thinking from yeah, my own I mean, experience. It's, it's he might humble you a lot. It's wanting more. It's it's chasing it to the hurt of your own faith or your family. You know, it's uh, so in and of itself, it can be a great tool. I mean, it can be. It's a terrible master, and it should it should always be a servant, not a master. And when people make it um, more than it is, then. It can be evil, but I, to anybody who's wealthy out there, to Erica's point, 
let's build the kingdom of God. I mean, you can't take it with you. You can send it ahead. Uh, you can have eternal reward from God. Uh, you know, Jesus we, is not against wealth. He just don't. You just don't build it here because you're going to lose it all. And we. So you mentioned uh, in church a few weeks ago. I forget the the dollar amount. Thirty. Was it thirty thousand dollars that our church sent over to India? Uh, twenty one thousand. Twenty one thousand. Well, we should have sent thirty. We should have sent thirty. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but twenty one thousand dollars. And what's like what the money is doing over there is. I mean, it's doing so many good things to try to sa- I mean, it's saving a lot of kids from terrible situations. Like when you started talking about that, I didn't really know much about it until you were sharing with it at, on that weekend. And I'm just kind of like, you, you get kind of sh- pushed back into reality of like, man, there's so much evil in this world. And these people, what do they, what do they need? They need Jesus. And like, if we can help people from here in Santa Rosa, all the way across the world, share Jesus with other people. I mean, what, so, and money's, a good I've way seen, to be able I've to do that. I've seen some people in the church, they have a gift for making money. Yeah. I mean, they really, I mean, it's like God's given them a, an ability. I mean, they, they could give it all away, but they'd have it all back in two years. They just, they're sort of that way. Yeah. All right. So, um, they need to recognize, first of all, what the abilities they have are given to them by God. It's a gift from God. So not to become proud about it or mm-hmm. arrogant, but, um, boy, it is just, like John Wesley said, make as much as you can, save as much as you can, give as much as you can. And when he said save as much as you can, he didn't mean put it in a bank account. He meant reduce your expenses as much as you can. So make a bunch, reduce your expenses, save as much as you can. So you have more now to give as much mm-hmm. as you can. And he died a poor man. He gave everything away. So that should be the goal of every Christian. I think when you die, I guess if you have kids, you know, you're going to give them some inheritance, mm-hmm. but just... No, they need to work for it. Yeah, I'm going to come work for it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, make uh, as much as you can and uh, give as much as you can. I don't know if we've talked too much specifically about the the idea of name it and claim it. We've mentioned it a couple times. Um, name it and claim it, it it's, a, it's the same. We're talking about the same thing here with name it and claim it, but uh, there's a term called... Uh, positive confession. Do you know anything about this one, Brett? Well, it's sort of the law of attraction. You know, the Oprah Winfrey would love that kind of a thing where you, you're going to, your faith and your words, they, they make a big deal of saying it, speaking it. it uh, I don't know if you mentioned it, Caitlin about, Caitlin, about, you know, you almost can speak it into reality through faith. Right. The I, law of attraction is whatever you're Whatever you're saying gets comes to you. It's right. uh, it's a weird. What you say determines everything is going to happen. Yeah, to it's going to yeah. happen. In so if you say I will not be sick, right? I'm not going to get sick. You're not yeah. going to get sick. I am healthy and blessed. Yeah, right. say prosperous. that. You know, every morning I will yeah. make a million dollars this year. Yes. Yeah, and we agree. Let, with well, you. and Thank and you. by the end of the Thank year, you. we'll know how much faith you have. Yep. Yep. That's Amen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you have to share it if it comes in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Share. It. Make sure you're generous with it. That's that's right. Uh, is there any other thoughts? And uh, we can we can do. I'm sure we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. But let's. Uh, any other ideas or thoughts that you've got written down? If you want to jump back to another spot, that's fine too. Uh, just want to make sure everybody says. I'm looking. Brett scroll through his notes. He's got. He's, he's got through. so many notes. It's just like pages and pages, and he's going through. I, I just like so this. Brett's got plenty to say. Go ahead. Uh-huh. I, I know. If I talk too much on this podcast. Um, Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 8, he talks about the Corinthians. They, they thought, saw themselves as being rich and, and all. And he in verse 9, 
He says, I think that God has exhibited us apostles as the last of all, like men sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, to men. We're fools for Christ's sake, uh, but you are wise in Christ. We're weak. You're strong. You are held in honor, but we're in disrepute. disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger, thirst. We're poorly dressed, buffeted, homeless. We labor, working with our hands. When reviled, we, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all, the refuse of all things. And he... It's like, look, that's the Apostle Paul. I mean. <laughs> he didn't get it wrong. <laughs> you know, uh, and the Corinthian church, the part of the problem was they, and I think I'll talk about this when we get to chapter four, but they saw themselves as rich, and Corinth was a very rich city, and they sort of bought into the idea. Maybe they were buying into a health, wealth, gospel, and Paul just says, look, we're the scum of the earth. We don't have very good clothes. We don't have, you know all that stuff, but we do for all, all things for the sake of the gospel. Right. Which affirms the gospel because if if they were doing it for money, you know, yes. that would show quickly <laughs> that they would take off. You know, it wouldn't be working out for them. Like Judas is like, oh, I'm out of here. But what can I get for Jesus? You know, a few coins. And then, but they stick around because it's the truth. You know, that's the, why they're willing to be afflicted and persecuted and struck down. Um, there's, uh, I want to make a couple of recommendations any, or I don't want to shut you guys off though. If you have anything else you want to say, well, I know I, you both have I just notes. wasn't going to say one thing. Go ahead. If you are someone who finds yourself like listening to this and being like, Oh, I think I'm listening to some pastors or reading some books that, you know, well, well have na- that. go ahead and name a few. I mean, like there's some, we know, I don't want to, I mean, the one I know most that. currently is Joel Osteen, um, and yeah, he's very big on the health and wealth, but there's also people, there's also pastors where that's not their main focus. They're more progressive, but it does come up. So like, I'm thinking about Stephen Furtick and his $10 million sure. home. Like he's preaching these very progressive, but if prosperity. it's in Santa Rosa, it's probably only a two bedroom. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, he lives in North Carolina, but I mean, that just goes to show you, you could have a you know, huge home for a million dollars there. And he spent 10 million. Like, you know, these people who, yeah, they're very, it's hard not to, you know, how do I say it? I mean, an exorbitant lifestyle of the pastor is a definite red flag. I mean, it's gotta be so, um, like they can still have nice things, but it's like, they're, I don't know. You just kind of have to use discernment. Like it gets to a point where it's just excess, you know, what's and what's this person teaching you? That goes along with, I mean, like if you see this, like, okay, you're, you're mentioning Joel Osteen or Stephen Furtick, right? And it's like, you, you see all that stuff and you can use your, your discernment, but like, what's the, and then what's he teaching you in front of that? So you've got this person that's got a $10 million home, then listen to his messages. How's he teaching the word of God? How's he teaching scripture? And you can see it that it's like, oh, this isn't. Very topical, very fluffy, very, you can, you're going to be the best. You're going to make a difference. Like God's like the best is yet to come. It's all about you. Right. It's all about you, 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 you. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's very motivational. Yeah. That's what it is. And it's like a world, it's the same as like a worldly motivational speaker. But like, if you are, you find yourself listening to this and you're like, oh, I'm following, you know, those people specifically, or, or there's pastors I'm listening to that are teaching things like that. Don't keep listening to them because they're motivating and you think, well, you know, they say some good things and that's okay. Right. No, just 
stop listening. Like, why would you fill your mind with that garbage? Because it's just going to further confuse you. And you're going to find yourself like going through life and expecting these blessings from God. And if not, it's because you don't have enough faith or whatever. And just spend your time in God's word instead. Like that's the best alternative. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. And if you want to listen to some great sermons, Martin (laughs) Lloyd-Jones. Okay. The words at which I'd like to point your attention to this evening. Yeah, Martin Lloyd-Jones is is phenomenal. I was just thinking, I'm sitting there going, who would we tell them to listen to? Because it's really hard to find. He's not not Uh, the most entertaining preacher. But he's Uh, good. But but he teaches the Bible. How many years did he spend on, was it Romans? Yeah, he spent 13 years on Romans. Could you imagine being in a church? <laughs> y'all, we, y'all thought the Galatians series, the 21 week free series, was my, yeah. my teenager was a baby when I started this. Oh my gosh! Series. So that's yeah, that's no, crazy. and I'd say uh, that's a good point. Let's let's just read, read the Bible, but read whole books in the yeah. Bible. Mm-hmm. Read all of Matthew. Read all of john all of ephesians don't don't just don't read a verse a day yeah i mean some of these devotionals that are out there even my own that i send out is just one verse but it'd be better read the whole chapter try to learn to um see things uh, as a whole yeah invest in a study bible it's super helpful to understand the background of the book which you know brett always gives us during his messages like he's given us the background on the the church of Corinth, but you can find that in a study Bible mm-hmm. too. It'll, it'll tell you what this church was struggling with or tell you about the author and what they were facing. And it just really enriches your time in God's word and helps you, you know, understand. even like a lot of times when you're just, when we're teaching, going through Paul's letters, it's helpful just to know where's Paul at with right. this. How far away was this? How early into Paul's ministry, ministry is this? Or how many times has he been in prison? Is he in prison when he's writing right. this letter? You know, the different things that you can, you can know about it. There's a lot to it, and you can kind of put it into. I think I'm I'm listening through um, because I'm going to be teaching it first Wednesday. I'm listening through multiple sermons on First Corinthians five, and one of the things that Ray Stedman said that points out is because uh, I saw a couple commentaries talking about how Paul is shocked at what's going on in Corinth, and Ray Stedman says he's not shocked. He's that's seen it all. He, yeah. He there's nothing that's going to shock him now. He's he's disappointed and he's disturbed by the reaction that the church is having to what's going on, right? But I was like even that was an interesting point to me to be like, yeah, by this point Paul has he's <laughs> Paul's not going to be shocked by something like this because he knows he already knows what's going on in Corinth. So it's not like that's, he's going to be like That's why he went to Corinth. Right. <laughs> so um there's so I'll I'll talk about it again real quick uh with got questions. That's a great great resource that I I still think so. <laughs> Um, I get nervous saying that cause I'm like, at some point they're going to end up, something's going to happen and it's going to be like, Oh shoot. How many times did they're I, they're going to go progressive or something. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think they will. Um, they have a podcast though, which is great. Uh, that they basically, what got questions is, is you can go in and you can search for the question. If they don't already have an answer for you, they will, their team will answer it. And what I really like and appreciate about their website is it shows you the way that they do this, so their their statement of faith, basically, but then also just how they go about their answers. They go through a whole in the list of the list of education that these oh, pastors yeah. all have is vast. It's tons of PhDs and more than um, Joel Osteen. And, well, yeah, more <laughs> more than a really lot of people. On Joel Osteen. I know he's um, just the one. I feel like I've heard people. You know, he's no, probably you the most well book. known as far as mainstream. Here's, no, here's, don't read his book. Here's another one that I'll, we'll maybe get into in the future. Joyce Meyer. Oh, oh, the ladies love Joyce. Let's talk about 
Joyce Meyer. Something. Why are you saying it like that? <laughs> Only because I was kind of hesitant because I know I, I hear so many, you know, people have gone to conferences. They love Joyce Meyer and she's so, she's got like such a story. The- Women like these she's women's the ministry, yeah, right? like pastor, but of her, her America. theology, she's listed among these this group of health wealth, Creflo Dollar, and yeah, all of them. And uh, you gotta, I guess, we'd have to really unpack it. I mean, I don't want to spend the whole time talking about these individuals as much as. But how many people but, but are just go to these teaching. conferences? You yeah. know, like what are they teaching, and why yeah, is it why deviating? That's teaching? what's important. Like, they can yeah. they can lead that teaching, and they got great <laughs> personalities and charisma and move you. But what what are they saying really? What are they teaching? And yeah. is it true? And are they? Is I mean, true? and a big thing as we said it multiple times now are they are they teaching? Are they teaching scripture, or are they just motivating you? Are they just saying you can do this and you can do this, and it's all about you? If it's all about you, red flag. Um, but yeah, they've. They've got the, uh, on Got Questions, you can ask the question. If they haven't answered it, they'll answer it for you. And they've got um, the guy, I forget his name, but the guy that is still the the CEO, the head of Got Questions, he has uh, a system where he goes through and he reads and makes sure that all these questions, they've got a basically a kind of a checks and balances kind of situation where when it's not just one person's going to write it and send it back to you. It's going to be this person's going to write this really detailed answer with tons of scripture in it. And it gives you just a great, uh, outline to follow of like, like if you just go in and say, uh, what does the Bible say about the prosperity gospel? It's got an awesome answer there for you. Um, that's gone through a whole lot of different, uh, pastors that have looked through it and added to it, uh, on their team. So it's great. Also, um, if you've got questions that you want to uh, have answered by the staff here at Spring Hills, we've got multiple ways you can ask your questions. Um, the, this is like the fifth podcast in a row that I still don't have the phone number to text. 707-505-9070. 505-9070. I knew it was 707. <laughs> I knew that one. Good job. Um, you can text in a question there. We'd love to hear your questions. Uh, and also, uh, if you're part of CORE, I think, Brett, have you been talking about the the opportunity to ask questions and you and I would come on here and just answer some of those? Yeah, we'd love to do that. Yeah. I mean, if people submit questions to the phone number, a great podcast would be just to answer questions on. i mean yeah. we've done some of those where it's just been like questions about heaven and hell questions about uh, questions about the bible questions about angels and demons things like that we've done those and we'll do more but um you can also ask your questions to podcast at springhills.org uh, send some questions in if you have any so uh caitlin erica brett thank you for being here appreciate it we'll talk more about some more false teachers soon you guys can all say farewell too. Oh, thank thank you. You. it's always one of those like yeah are we supposed to say bye or yeah you guys can say farewell. The music's going to be playing now at this point. Bam, okay. Bam, you know all that. Brett, ha- Brett has to go. go. We can see, see he's got his stuff up. ready. Goodbye, can- everybody.